Uh, most people that we meet over here, at least in Macedonia, are Eastern Orthodox. Come to find out that these people don't know the gospel. They don't know what the problem is, who God is, what, he, what Christ has done uh, into their life. Is the Orthodox Church the one true holy apostolic church? Today, we're going to hear from a friend of mine who will answer this question and more. Please stay with us. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Grace and Truth. I'm a grateful gospel-centered disciple of Jesus Christ who struggles yet perseveres, and my name is Dave. I hope and pray that you're doing well. Today we are continuing an interview with my friend and brother, Victorio. Originally broadcasted live on Facebook on November 21st, 2020. Let's return to the original broadcast already in progress. Now, you mentioned um, some of the um, sacraments that were mentioned, baptism and also um, deification. Um, I want to talk a little bit about... um, baptism a bit because it, the way the the way the orthodox church has done it is through triple immersion and um and according to a uh, an, a website from an orthodox church um um the one in particular um about a few blocks down from my church they say this uh in the sacrament of holy baptism a person is incorporated into the crucified resurrected and glorified christ and is reborn to participate in the divine life baptism is necessary for salvation and they quote mark 16 15 through 16 and in accordance with the holy tradition must be performed by triple immersion in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and they quote matthew 28 verses 18 through 20 according to the rubrics in the prayer book it is conferred only once um first of all um were these passages um in line with what their position is and um what is the biblical response to um, this um, this claim? Well, they they use uh, the passages where the New Testament, for example, Paul talks about spiritual baptism uh, that we are born and saved through through baptism, but it's a, it's a spiritual baptism is not is not a physical baptism, and that's clear from the context. So they use that they use those passages. Um, to argue that no, it's it's a physical baptism, um, immersion into water, um, where where a person is saved, and uh, that's where that's how th- their chain of salvation or starts. It starts with with baptism, and where grace is given to the one who who gets baptized. Um, Biblically, you know, as as I mentioned, when you look at Galatians, when you look at Romans, I mean, Galatians is very clear, talking about circumcision, that if you add a circumcision to the grace of God as a work, you destroy you destroy the salvation. I mean, it's very clear in 
in um, in Galatians four and five, where where Paul says, you know, uh, you seek to be justified through works, through circumcision, and you've destroyed salvation. You've destroyed Christ. You you're cut off from Christ. And those are very strong, uh, strong words. I mean, in Galatians one, he says, um, if anyone teaches you a different gospel, um, let him be let him be accursed. And he says that two times. And the gospel that he's referring to, a different gospel, it's clear from the book that the different gospel is the gospel that adds works to grace. So anything we add to the gospel, either baptism or, I don't know, prayer, read Bible reading, it may be a good work, but the moment we add a work to the grace of God, he will destroy, we destroy it. So basically, when we talk about works, we are not doing these works to achieve favor from God. What we're doing is these works come as a result of our faith in Christ, um, if, if yeah. I'm, as, as, as we understand it. Because the reality yeah. is, even if we try to do all these things to achieve favor from God, the, the, the odds are we haven't kept it going good enough and we're, gonna, and, and we're just, waste, just really wasting all of our energy for crying out loud, yeah. in a sense. Yeah. Um, I even looked at the passage that they quoted from Mark 16, 15 through 16. It turns out that passage isn't even from the earliest manuscripts. So to base a position on a verse that wasn't from the earliest manuscripts isn't very helpful. In fact, the verse itself says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. It doesn't say whoever does not get baptized will be yeah. condemned. So that's that that kind of that kind of contradicts it next to what they're saying yeah i mean they're you see they have a theology that that, that uh, or in this case theology that is fixed the doctrine of salvation and they try to try to prove that that view from proof text from the bible but that's not how you approach the bible you have to approach it uh holistically and see what the what see what the text says not you know Force, force the text to say what what you want it to say. Absolutely. Now, I want to get to chrismation. Um, I, I don't know much about chrismation, but I know that a lot of my friends who converted to Eastern Orthodoxy became a part of the Orthodox Church through chrismation. Do you know anything about that process and whether or not Scripture even teaches that as a biblical concept? Well, it's it's part of, part of the, the Holy Mysteries, uh, they, they, it's part of their sacraments and it's a way of entrance into the church. Um, and obviously, you know, it's nowhere to be found in, in the Bible. It's, it's a, a practice that they've, that they've done. Uh, and they've said, oh, now it's, it's essential for grace, <laughs> for salvation. So, okay. So we know that, um, Obviously, that's more of a added work, a man-made practice. Um, so yeah. let's get to this issue of the veneration of the saints and Mary. Um, Mary, of course, in the Orthodox Church. I remember visiting an Orthodox Church when I was a um, sophomore in college, and um, they called Mary Holy Theotokos. And um, they would say things like, O Holy Theotokos, save us. Now, 
obviously that's a problem because Mary can't save us, only Christ can. Yeah. Um, how, can you explain a little bit about the um, veneration of the saints and Mary and how is that considered um, unbiblical? They, they'll argue, of course, that it's not polytheistic when obviously we would dissent with them on that. Can you explain that a little bit for us? Yeah. So um, basically it, it's um, it's uh, they, they would say, well, it's not it's not worship. It's veneration, so they would make that distinction. But every time uh, a person prays, every time a person worships, uh, exalts, uh, gives thanks to, uh, that's a form of worship. So they pray and they pray and ask for help to saints, uh, angels. They they pray and ask for help, Mary, obviously. So. Uh, even though they say, oh, we're not worshiping, by praying and asking for them to help them and asking to save them or assist in their salvation, it's a form of worship. And that's 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 a big problem. That's idolatry. Mm. Um, and uh, they, 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 it cannot be distinguished from idolatry. Yeah, I mean, even though um, people will there will say, well, we're just um, asking them to intercede, it's still a form of communication to them in a yeah. way that is like, um, like, like worship in a sense. I mean, I looked at the definition of veneration, and it's, it's really no different. It's, um, yeah. and, and the Bible has a lot to say about that. In fact, one of the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods, but, yeah. but Yahweh himself. Um, I mean, I mean, people bow down to the icons. They they kiss them. They uh, they carry them as as a way of of protection. That if you carry a cross, carry a, an icon, that you will be protected uh, by that saint or by Christ or Mary. And uh, that's a form of worship. That's a form of of committing and giving yourself and trusting yourself to someone who is not God. Mm. So if the saints or Mary were still here right now, which they're not, they're 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 they're, they're long gone. Um, how would how do you think they would respond if 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 we were actually venerating them rather than God? Do you think they'd be very appreciative of that? You don't have to answer that, by the way. I mean, obviously, there it will be a big shock, as as uh, as it was with the apostles when they went preaching. You know, people started to. To venerate them, bow down to them, offer sacrifices, and they they ripped their clothes and said, "What are you doing? We're just mere men." Um, so they would it, it would be a same shock to them that they get that response from other people. Absolutely. Um, I'd like to move on to the doctrine of sola scriptura. Now, we as believers um, believe that. By, that we are justified by grace alone through faith alone because of Christ alone and it is to him alone we give the glory to and that all authority comes from scripture alone but as we talked about before the program started um, they and also earlier earlier today as well they mention how it that the scriptures are um, a part of tradition um, can you explain um, why is it that the Orthodox Church does not accept sola scriptura as biblical, and why sola scriptura 
is in fact important to us as believers? Well, as as uh, you know, this uh, where Timothy Ware said how how he defined, and you know, this is the the definition of the church. How the church defines um, tradition is not the Bible only. It's ecumenical councils, canons, uh, service books, writings of the fathers. So this is an, a big conglomerate uh, that they call tradition that they call the truth, uh, the revelation of God. And by the way, this is selective. So they select from the fathers, they select from the councils, uh, the canons, etc. Uh, I mean, uh, they, they have the, the seven ecumenical councils, but there are other councils later on in history as well. So they're selective. So who selects these? The church, the, the, Ortho, the Eastern Orthodox Church select, selects these um these elements as part of the truth part of the revelation of god so um we so accept only the bible of course the, the the reason we accept only the bible is because the bible only claims to be the word of god the, these don't so the church the writings of the of of the fathers don't claim to be the word of god the, the canons the the service books, you know, the ecumenical councils, they don't claim to be the word of God. So uh, the one thing, that's one one thing is they don't claim to be. The second thing is their contradictions between the Bible and these uh, formulations, these elements that the church has. So what they'll do is they'll twist the Bible, twist scripture. Sometimes there is not even a scripture to support it to fit their system. So as I said at the beginning, it's the the church alone versus the Bible alone. Mm. So is it safe to say that um, that they view the Bible as under their authority, which would be like the the Bible is under the authority of the church, whereas yes. we as believers yes. believe it's the complete opposite. Um, yes. Because, yes. Yeah, because think of it like this. I mean, the church is the people, not a building or an institution. And to say that the and and God speaks to us through His Word, that's like saying, that's like if we were to hear what they're saying, which is the church is over the 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 Bible. That's like saying the people are more are in charge of God, which is totally not biblical at all. Um, I mean, we're sinful human beings. To say that we are in authority over God is a clear terrible uh, I, i'll even go as far as to say this blasphemous form of, of 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 how we view god um because he's in charge of us um so how do we as believers respond to anyone who says that the bible is under the authority of the church how can we as believers respond to that well uh i i think it, well, first an important thing is um, and obviously when, when we go out evangelizing, uh, most people that we meet over here, at least in Macedonia, are Eastern Orthodox. And we, we come to find out that these people don't know the gospel. Um, they don't know, what, you know, what, what, what the problem is, who God is, what, he, what Christ has done for them, how to appropriate that, uh, what Christ has done uh, into their life. So I think the first uh, 
and the best thing to do is with a person who has born into that that church and raised uh, is to share the gospel because a, a clear understanding of the gospel and the the free grace the free gift free righteousness the mercy that um, is poured out from God to them is just impressive it's just unbelievable it's amazing um, and this is one of the what makes Christianity biblical Christianity unique is that the gospel is the free grace of God given to sinners who don't deserve it mm. and them to be forgiven and cleansed and washed um, and be made um, friends of God is is totally totally shocking that you don't have to do anything except to turn to Christ to be forgiven um, so I would say that's the first thing is, is share the gospel with, with the person that is, is in that system is in that church uh, the second thing is if they're in, in that church uh, and they're familiar with with the differences between Protestantism and uh, the Eastern Orthodox Church, I would go with with internal contradictions. So there are internal contradictions between the Bible and what um, what the tradition and the tradition and conglomerate of these elements say. And as long as we find a contradiction, the system fails. It's no longer uh, the, uh, the revelation of God, as they, as they call it. Hey guys, we're out of time for today, but we will continue this message next week. Thanks for listening. You can contact me at my website, chewmadenew.com. Or you can call me at 510-516-CHEW. That's 510-516-2439. Or you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, peace out and God bless. Cinco's!